Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you don't sit down. Can we bring the lights up? If I was Pentecostal, I would say, I feel the spirit of boredom in here. So whenever there's a spirit of boredom, guess what I do? Everyone, please greet someone around you. Go ahead and do that. Mingle, everyone. Grab your mic. There you go. Don't make it too awkward. Don't make it awkward. All right. If you guys have met Leah Hobby's down here, no one's greeting her. Go ahead, Leah. <laughs> All right. All right. You've made it awkward. All right, everybody, you made it awkward. All right. I know. Here we go. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, you can sit down. Wendy's up here today, and uh, she's up here because today there's, there's really two special birthdays today. Lacey, where's Lacey at? Is Lacey, she's working in the back, isn't she? Lacey's serving our children's ministry. Today's Lacey's birthday. She turns 21. She promised me she's not going to buy. Yeah, go ahead. That's good. She promised me she is not going to buy cigarettes or alcohol today. That's what she told me on the way in. I always remember Lacey's birthday because it's also my mom's birthday. And mom, is she watching back there? Please tell me she's watching. She is watching? All right, so we're going to sing happy birthday to my mom. All right? That's what we're going to do. And Wendy's going to lead us in singing happy birthday. So when you get to the part of saying who the birthday's for, instead of calling her Claudine, which is her name, you can just say Barry's mom. And I'll say my mom. All right, mom, are you ready? I hope you're watching. She, she's telling me, I called her on the way here, and she said, I just ate me a chicken and biscuit. And I said, well, all right. She goes, you're going to be on at 10, right? And I said, she said, she said 9, but it's 10 my time. Yeah, yeah, I am. So let's sing happy birthday to my mom. All right, Wendy, one, two, three, go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, my mom, Claudine. Happy birthday to you. Everybody give her a hand. Woo! Happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday. My dad's Two days. And he usually is watching, so happy birthday, Dad. Her mom, my mom's name is Claudine. Her dad's name is Durrell. We got some strange names. And yeah, Blake's name Blake. His name is Durrell Alpheus. His dad went by DA, which I don't, I don't, I agree with. I think he should too. So anyway, listen, thank you guys so much for, for being here. And thank you so much for doing that. <clears throat> That'll mean a lot to her. And uh, I appreciate you guys doing that. I, I want to jump right into where we are going to be today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 12, starting in verse uh, 12. John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. <coughs> Excuse me. And I want to, I want to get started today by going over exactly what is going on. Now, don't forget, don't forget that there are two parts of the book of John. The first part of the book of John 
is, is all the things that Jesus did, all right? Uh, and they actually call it the book of signs. It's all the signs and wonders that he did. And it's John 1 through 12. The second part of John, which we're actually going to be going into uh, probably around the 1st of August, we're going to be covering that all fall. It's the second book, the second part of the book. And that is his book of glory. It is, it is when Christ gave his life over uh, for our sins so that we could have the opportunity to be saved. Now, there's a scripture found in John that tells us the reason why, the reason why the book was written. And here it is. Can we bring that up here? It says this. It says, These are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So you may continue to what? To believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have what? You will have life by the power of His name. So you will have life by the power of His name name not by your name or your last name or by his name and when he says life there he's not just talking about living in eternity he's talking about living life on earth as well he's talking he really is he's talking about abundant life which he talked about in John 10 verse 10 now what is the scenario right now that we're getting ready to go into here is the scenario Jesus is now at the last week of his life. I told you this last Sunday. Jesus has left Jericho and he is going up to Bethany. Does anyone remember who he stayed with in Jericho? Zacchaeus. Good, good. Five of y'all listened. That's awesome. So he stayed with Zacchaeus because a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He changed his whole life and his whole, everything about his life was turned upside down because of Christ. And so he, makes, he goes up to Bethany. He then has a, 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 uh, a dinner in his honor. And the dinner is, is held at Simon the leper's home. And around the table, we have Simon the leper on one side. All right, does anyone remember who's on the other side? Lazarus was on the other side. Don, thank you for listening last week. Roy, why aren't you listening? <laughs> anyway, Don, we always know you're the more wise, better brother. Anyway, so I'm just kidding, Roy. I love you, brother. Anyway, so, but no, listen. So we have, they have dinner, and Mary anoints Jesus. All right, and I told you there was two reasons for the anointing. The first reason was, was that whenever kings, like we saw in, in, in the book of Samuel, when David was anointed, they would be anointed as king. But second thing they would do is, is they, would, they would actually be anointed for burial as well. So it had two things. So it recognized him as king, but it also recognized that this week was going to be a hard week. Then a situation occurs where he begins and he decides. Remember, I want you guys to realize this. There was already a plot to kill him. We've already seen that in chapter 11. There was a plot to kill him, and he was, he was going to go into the city. Now, I want you to understand something. When he's going into the city, and we're going to talk about this more in a little bit. When he's going into the city, the expectation is that Jesus would come in, he would ride into the city, and he would take over. And he would run out the Romans 
and he would run out all the occupiers, and he would make right, and he would make the, the, the kingdom of David return, and it would be this glorious thing. And we're going to look and see exactly what he did. Here's what it says in John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. It says this, it says, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors. <clears throat> I want to stop right there and tell you, that's between two and two and a half million people. That's the estimate of the Passover visitors. Took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. And they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was the fulfillment of the prophecy, but after, after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had, what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. And many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason that so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. And then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. My prayer is, is that one day the enemy would say that. There's nothing we can do because everyone's gone after him. We've lost and I know that he will say that. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And he said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. And Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in this soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me, because my, dis my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. And then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. And when the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoke to them. And then Jesus told him, the voice was for your benefit and not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. And he said this to indicate how he was going to die. And the crowd responded, we understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? And Jesus said, my light will shine for just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light where there is, while there is still time, and then you will become children of the light. And after saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden <clears throat> from them. What is going on here? What's going on is, is there's about two to two and a half million people that have come in for the Passover celebration. 
The people, the, the, the Jewish leaders have heard that, that Jesus has come. They have made a plot to kill him. Jesus knows what's going to occur. And so he begins to do the plan which God has set out before him. Now we know that there is a heaviness in the air, just like there was at the dinner the night before. There's a heaviness in the air. We know that one because it says so, but also because Luke 19 says so. Let's look at Luke 19, verses 41 and 42. It says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city of Head, he's on the donkey, he's riding into Jerusalem, he began to weep. And it says, How I wish today that all of you people would understand the way, way to peace, but now it's too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. It's hidden from your eyes. And so there is a, there is a heaviness that is on Jesus. And so he makes this triumphal ride into the city. And they take palm branches. Now, palm branches were something that were very unique. Palm branches, what were they? Well, they were a symbol for the Jewish nation. The palm branch was a symbol for the Jewish nation. They were actually on coins for, for the Jewish people. They would actually have coins with palm branches on them. And what the palm branches symbolized was victory and triumph. And so they would wave the palm branches in victory and triumph. And where we have seen this before and where it's been located before is that we've seen people in the Old Testament that would come in and they would ride in on these magnificent horses with these magnificent chariots and the palm branches would be waving and they would be throwing them down and leading the processional in victory when they had overcome an enemy. And that's what's happening with Jesus here. He is overcoming the enemy that they think is going to be one enemy, but in reality, it's not just for Jerusalem. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's for the world. That's what's going on here. They're yelling, Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? It means give salvation now. That's what Hosanna means. Give salvation now. Glory to God in the highest and give salvation now. So the stage is now set. Jesus is coming, and others have run out to Him. And it's to fulfill the prophecy. And then Greeks come. Who are these Greeks? These Greeks are people that have actually decided they would follow the way of the Israelites. And they wanted to meet Jesus because they had some questions. So they were coming to see, they were questioning the Jewish religion and they wanted to see Jesus because they wanted to know what He was all about. They were curious about Jesus because they were fascinated about the Jewish people. And Jesus makes a profound statement. He says this, He says, Now the time has come. Now the time has come. The reason this is so interesting is because so many times before, we've seen Jesus say, my time has not yet come. One time, he had done such a miraculous thing, they said, hey, we want to take you and make you king right now. And he said, my time has not yet come. There was even times when he would say, listen, I'm going to do this for you. Don't tell anybody. Why can't I tell anybody? Because my time has not yet come. But now Jesus proclaims very boldly. He says this, My time 
has now come. My time has now come. What is it that we can learn from these scriptures? What does it say about God? What does it say about me? And what am I going to do with it? The first thing I want you to see is this. It's that Jesus, even in these very verses, is telling you He is fulfilling His mission. He is fulfilling His mission. And here's the second part. Because of Him fulfilling His mission, He wants you and I to do the same. I want you to hear that again. Jesus is fulfilling His mission. He even says it. He says, so what should I do? Should I call out and tell God to save me from this? There was a heaviness in the air, and He's like, what am I supposed to do? Call out from God and tell Him to save me from this? No. This is the reason I came. This is the reason I came. This is my mission. And so what I want you to understand is simply this. When you decide to align your life with Christ, when you decide to align your life with Christ, the very reason that you were created, the closer you get to Christ, the more clear that mission becomes. I want you to hear that. And Jesus is fulfilling His mission, and He wants us to do the same. Let me give you an example. Whenever I was in high school, I was unsaved. I didn't know anything. I've told you guys before, I was 16 years old, and I thought that Easter was for the Easter Bunny, and that Christmas was for Santa Claus. And I didn't know about Jesus. I don't know who Jesus was. I knew that I knew something. There was something there because I would pray, God, whatever that is, and I would start telling all the people that I didn't want to die today. And that's how I would pray. Keep me safe. But when I gave my life to Christ, when I gave my life to Christ, the closer I came to following Christ, the more clear the mission that he had for me was. And you may say, well, Pastor Barry, I really don't have a mission. I would challenge you and say, then you're probably not close enough to Christ yet. Because I will assure you, you were not created to exist and then to die. You were created with, Scripture tells us that we have gifts and talents and we are to use these things to glorify God and edify other people. He tells you all of these things. You were meant to do that. And so, Jesus fulfilled His mission And because He fulfilled His mission, we have the ability, when following Him, to fulfill our mission. And here's the great part. Our mission will never bring glory to ourself. It will always bring glory to God. Are you with me? Do you know why most people don't fulfill their mission? Fear. That's one reason. I want to tell you something. I I was fearful for almost 15 years to go into full-time ministry. I was. And I was fearful of what other people thought. I was fearful of what my dad thought. I was fearful of, of, of failing. I was fearful of all kinds of stuff. God had already equipped me. I already knew what I was to do, but I was fearful. 
And it took almost 15 years. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, yeah, we packed up the uh, U-Haul and we drove from Tennessee down to Georgia and it was no big deal. I, had, I didn't have any nerves. Uh, I didn't have any, no, none of that. Oh, no, no, that's all a lie. That's all a lie. What was the truth was, was that, of course, I was nervous. And, of course, of course uh, I, I had some reservations. But the cool part was, was that Christ was walked, he walked right beside me the whole way. And so in lack, when I had a lack of peace, he became my peace. Are you with me? And so, so a lot of people, though, they don't do it because of that. They do it, they do it, they don't fulfill their mission because they have an inability to get past the past. You know, what people have said about them or what people have told them. It's so amazing, I can tell you honestly today, that if someone tried to put you in a mold and push you through a mold and have you become what they think you should become, reject that. Allow God to pour the mold and to set the mold as you follow Him. Jesus understood this. Jesus understood that there's a scripture in Matthew 13, 55. Matthew 13, 55, here's what it says. It says, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. You know, we know, we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. We know them. He's just a carpenter's son. He's not the Savior. Come on. Yet Jesus was who he said he was. Now, he could have went and said, Mom, they said I was just a carpenter's son. He could have done that. He could have went and said, gosh, man, I really know God's calling me to do this, but those people over there that I grew up with, they think I'm just a carpenter's son. Let me tell you how it's worked in my life. In my life, there's been people that have been shocked that I was a preacher. They have. Can I be honest and tell you, I'm shocked some days too. Maybe you're shocked as well. Here we all, we're all shocked. But can I tell you what's followed that? People that have been shocked that I was a preacher. A private message on Facebook or a text saying, hey, can you pray for me about something? Hey, can I, can I? It's amazing. They've been surprised that I was a pastor. And then they immediately flow in and say, will you do the mission that God's created you to do? That's what they do. A lot of us are not fulfilling the mission we have because we allow other people to define us. Let me encourage you by telling you this. God defines you. He created you. He set your life forward. He has a plan and purpose. Nothing you are, the reason you're here is for a reason. It's not, it's not just to live and to die and to move on. And I want to encourage you to embrace that. Now, the second thing we can learn from this text is this, and I, I talked about it a little bit earlier, is that Jesus was a different kind of king. So he's fulfilling his mission, and we need to fulfill our mission as well, but Jesus was a different kind of king. You see, the Jewish people, they were looking for a military king. They were looking for one that rode in on a horse with chariots. They were looking, they were looking for this majesty. They wanted a conquering king. They wanted a king that would conquer the Romans. They wanted a king that would conquer the occupiers. They wanted a king that would right the wrongs. Jesus conquered death, not the Romans. He was a conquering king. 
He was an eternal king. He was a heavenly king. And he was a king that would officially and originally and eventually become a deliverer. <clears throat> but they wanted a conquering king. About three months ago, I did a message about the different people that think Jesus is who they think He is. They try to mold Him. And one of them is the military Jesus. The people that were waving the branches, they wanted a military Jesus. And some, I want you to get this in your brain. Don't miss this. Some of the same people that wave the branches with their arms like this, a week later, are saying crucify Him. Crucify Him. Because He wasn't the king that they thought He should be. They wanted a military king. If I'm being completely transparent with you, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't tell you this. Today, I feel like a lot of people are doing the same thing. I do. I feel like a lot of people are doing the same thing. I want to tell you something. There's no one that loves America any more than I do. There's no one that would defend the freedom in our country any more than I will. I have a strong desire for revival to erupt in our land and to turn our land back to God. I'm going to say that again. I have a strong desire for revival to erupt in our land and for us to turn our hearts back to God. The problem is, is I think a lot of people think that the way to do that is by electing politicians to do that. And let me just let you know, it's not. No revival has ever started. No revival has ever started in the White House. It's always started in the church house. Are you with me? It is. And I think a lot of people, what they want to do is, is they want to wrap Christianity in the American flag. And I just want you to know something. I have great honor for both. But man, this, this Christianity, that is demeaning to the cross. There's so much more than just America. There's a lot of people that have never experienced this. If you've ever went outside this country and you've gone on mission, if you've gone on mission, you understand that we have almost an Americanized Christianity that does not exist anywhere else in the world. It doesn't. And I think it's because we have so many things that we've forgotten our need for God. I think we have. I think we've done that. I want to tell you this again. I've told you this several times. When you take a politician and a Christian and you blend them together, you always get a politician. I want to say that again. When you take a politician and a Christian and blend them together, you always get a politician. I want you to know something. I want Christian legislators. I want Christian presidents. I want Christian teachers. Anywhere there can be influence, I want there to be a believer. I do. And I want 
laws governing and everything we can do for the laws to line up which where they originally started, which is the Scriptures, by the way. I want, th- I want that to happen. But that doesn't happen in Washington. It happens here. Because we break out in revival. And Holy Spirit overwhelms us and it spreads like wildfire. And people that you never thought would repent begin to repent. And we begin to do things and to, and to treat people away. And we begin to do all of these things that we never thought were even possible. I deeply desire for God to bless America again. But I want to tell you something. Jesus isn't an American Savior. And He's not a Canadian Savior. And He's not a European Savior. And He isn't a Jewish Savior. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And He will do it in His way, in His time frame, by His means, and for God's glory. That's what He'll do. Jesus, you guys, belongs to the world. He's a different kind of king. And they wanted what we want now. And Jesus says, I'm not riding in on a horse. I'm riding in on a donkey. I'm not coming to move out the occupiers in your town. I'm coming to move out the occupier in your heart. Let's move it out. And that's who He is. He was a different kind of king. And that brings me to my third point. John 12, chapter, verses 24 says this. John 12, 24 says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest for new lives. There is life through death. I want to say that again. Jesus is telling us there is life through death. There's a picture I want to show you guys. There's a picture I found this. I found this on a science website. Can we bring that picture up? You see that picture? You see this over here? This is a little kernel on the far left, my, my left over here. That's a little kernel, and it's planted into the ground. All right? It's planted into the ground, and it's watered, and the pressure begins to, the, the pressure begins to, to build on it and it's more pressure, and then all of a sudden the little seed comes out, it starts to come out, and then the next one, the third picture over, is when it starts doing this, and this, I love this, this is so good, this gets gooder and gooder, alright, you ready? I love that the fact that, and I'm telling you, you're going to love this, I loved it when I saw it, the first thing that happens is not that the bloom comes forward, the first thing that happens is the roots go deeper, are you with me? Our roots have to go deeper before we start having fruit. That's why it always amazes me. Whenever people are first saved, they want to do so much for God. And I love that passion. I love that enthusiasm. And I'm like, that's awesome. Go be mentored by someone. Let me disciple you. Let those roots go deeper. And then let's talk. The roots go deeper. And when the roots are deep enough to absorb the water for, for the plant to come up, then you see all the way over here, a harvest happens. That's the process. It sprouts something new. But here's what we want to do. 
we want to forget this. We want to forget that the far left has to occur before the far right occurs. That's what we want to do. As the theologian David Crowder says, (laughs) everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And you have to die to yourself in order to fully embrace the mission God has you on, in order to fully experience who God is, you have to die for your, to yourself in order for you to produce the fruit that God has called you to produce. You have to die. And Jesus died so that we could live. You and I are the fruit that He's talking about right here. Salvation for you and I requires death. Putting away. That's why we have a baptismal. That's the symbol, you guys. Buried in baptism and what? Raised to walk a new life. New life. The truth of the matter is, is a lot of us are, are, are we're stuck. We're stuck in the very first one. We've been planted, but we don't want to die. So we're worthless in the ground. And we just kind of stay there. And we live a mundane life. And we're like, well, I don't know why God doesn't bless me. Well, because you won't give him your life. You won't submit. You won't obey. You won't, you won't be disciplined enough to say, God, whatever you want me to do is yours. That's what occurs. I'm getting ready to Bible drill you, so buckle up. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And the old life is gone. And the new life has begun. In Luke 9.23 it says this, It says, Then He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be My followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow Me. By the way, I want to let you know that taking up your cross daily, everyone thinks that you're telling, Oh, I'm going to root for Jesus. I'm going to have my cross with Jesus and I'm going to follow. No, listen, the cross, that is something about death. That's a symbol of death. Do you know what your cross is? It's you. It's you. You have to die to yourself. You have to take up your cross. You have to die to yourself and then follow Him. That's what it is. It's not some kind of banner that you carry. I've seen people who walk across the country with a cross. They always cheat, by the way. They always have a wheel on the back. That's kind of cheating, don't you think? It's a little bit of cheating there. you got a big old wheel on the back. I'm like, ah, you're cheating, bro. You want to be so awesome? Drag that sucker across America. But the cross is, is death. Death to what? Death to you. Death to me. Death to our old self. That's what the cross is. Galatians 2.20 says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself over to me. Philippians 1.21 says this, it says, For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Dying to myself and living for Christ. In Colossians 3.3 It says this, it says, For you died in this life, and your real life 
is hidden in Christ uh, with Christ in God. Ephesians 4, chapter 22, it says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And finally, 1 Peter 2, 24 says this, it says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Because here it is, by His wounds you are healed. Without surrender, there is no fruit. Without submission, there is no fruit. Without obedience, there is no fruit. And without Christ, there is no fruit. Jesus is clearly telling them, He must die so that we can live. Death will be defeated. And we must choose to die also to ourselves and follow Jesus. And that's my prayer for you today. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we thank you. God, thank you that you call us to obedience, but not obedience so that we can be miserable, but because we can have everlasting life and we can have a fullness of life even here on earth. Lord, your word says is that you came so that we would believe and that we would live. And God, my prayer today is, is that there would be a submission to you, a sitting under you, a following of you, not trying to lead the way, not trying to do our own thing, but that we would follow you, God. And God, if there's people here that are struggling, that's okay. That's what the church is for, Lord. If there's people here that are depressed, if there's people here that are lonely, if there's people here that are struggling with sin, God, that's why you put all the other believers around. To be you with hands and feet. And so God, I do pray that you would allow us to pour ourselves out, to literally take up our cross, die to ourselves, and follow you. And as we do that, and as you show up in our life, and as we begin th to see things change, we don't take the credit. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up for our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.